for media. We have our Bibles. Can you open your Bibles, please? Before the computer age, our Bibles have been there. So we are reading through our Bibles. If you were created a man, and you know you are created in the image of God, a male, not a female, can you read loud and clear what you see? To go. I will straighten thee. Yea, I will help thee. If you were created a female, you are created a woman. You are created in the image of God. And you're here in this assembly. Can you read it out loud and clear? Fear thou not. For I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Who is speaking here? Can you close your eyes and pray? Father, we are here before you this morning. Jehovah, you spoke your words to us. And your word said that you are here with us. Father, your word said that you will strengthen us. King of glory, your word said that you will uphold us with your right hand of righteousness. We are not here alone. We are here with you. Speak into our lives. Cause your word to come expressly to us this morning. And let your name and your name alone be magnified in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Jehovah, anything that wants to remove our hearts from this arena, we frustrate, we cancel, we nullify, we say it shall not stand in Jesus' name. Amen. We ask ancient of days that you beautify our lives this morning. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Can be seated in his presence, please. Amen. Fear thou not. That's authoritative. Amen. It's not a call by somebody who is afraid. This is a call by somebody who has authority. Somebody who has all that it takes to sustain, to help, to lift, to beautify, to uphold what he said he will do, and to cancel what he doesn't want to stay. He said, don't be afraid. I am there. Amen. In my culture, when somebody who is stronger than you is pursuing you, you run to somebody who you feel is stronger than that person. 
and he will co cover you. He will protect you. If the one pursuing you comes, he will stand out to defend you, to fight you, to beat him up. And that's simply what God does for us. Amen. This same God that says, don't be afraid, he's still the same God who want to consider one of his words today. One question he asked today. You see, in life, there are different kinds of questions. There are times you get a question that needs a one-syllable answer or two-syllable answer. At times you get a question that just needs you to nod or to shake or to genuflect or to do something, and that's an answer, and that's enough. In school settings, you get some questions, objectives, some subjectives, just one line answers it, and some like 10 paper, you write 10 pages, or thesis, you write 150 pages. Amen. Different kind of questions. But we are considering one question today that goes beyond 150 pages. And you will answer it in less than one hour. Bishop, I don't know how that possible that can be. That's why we're here this morning. That's why God has allowed you to be in church. If that question is not answered well, the person fails. And at times, the person fails woefully. Things have changed now. When I was in school, if you fell, they give you one big zero and put eyes on it. But now they canceled it, at least because you tried, they put one. They put eyes on it so that you know that you failed. I think that happens too spiritually. But none will fail today in Jesus' name. This question is a question of vested interests. When you talk about vested interests, that means there's a responsibility. It's a question that calls for your whole being. It's not just a single-syllable answer. It's not a casual question with a casual answer. No. It's a question that requires you to think of who you are, of your identity, your ideologies, a question that makes you to open up your eyes and know, where am I really going to with this kind of life I'm living? The person that asked this question is not the one that, the one that beautified you. I believe this morning when you are coming, before you started coming out, you look at the mirror to see yourself, to see how handsome or how beautiful you are. And you say, ah, this piece is good. I am really good. I am beautiful. I am handsome. The one that made you to be handsome. The one that beautifies your life. That's the one asking the question. So I want you to actually think and consider yourself in the light of the one asking you the question. Because he has vested interest in you. God is the one asking. And he has vested interest in you. Can you raise your right hand and say, God, thank you for having vested interest in me. He loves you. The love is unfathomable. You cannot fathom it. 
you cannot, you cannot find out its end. He has to put his son in the line to die, to retrieve you, to pull you out of death so that you will be who he wants you to be. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you reign my life. I'm so glad you came to save me. You came from heaven to us to show the way. From the eye to the cross, my death you paid. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to Lord, I lift your name. He paid the debt I owed. The debt you owe, you can't pay it. What do you have? He didn't die because they, they nailed him on the cross. That didn't kill him. No. He didn't die because they stabbed him. That didn't kill him. No. He died of ignominy. He died because he was bearing the weight of your sin and my sin. That's what killed him. He died because he knew that he is carrying the weight of what we committed. He didn't commit sin. Brethren, if you look through the scriptures and see what happened at the garden of Gethsemane, you realize that if he wanted to disappear, he would have disappeared. He gave his life. He purposely released himself to die for you and for me. He said, Father, let this cup Pass away. But let your will be done. Not my will. He submitted his will. I don't have time to look at what that cup meant. Because if you go to Hebrew tradition, that was the cup of adultery. The cup of sin. That he swallowed because of you and because of me. He carried our sins. He took it he took it, and that cost God his only begotten son to suffer. And God left him there. And he said, Father! And God did as if he didn't see him. God is still God. Such a showering of love by God. Because of you and because of me. And then he turned around and asked just one question. And that's where we're going this morning. When this question was asked first, the person God asked this first, the question first thought, ah, this question is too much for me. I can't answer it. You know, in school, thank God today they give you objectives 50-50. You just answer the 50 questions. But A, B, C, D. When we are in school, then you will be given 
five questions to attempt three. Attempt, not to do the attempt. <laughs> so if you attempt, you didn't attempt well, you fell. Adam was the first person God asked the question. And he knew the question was so hard, he didn't attempt it. We will see whether you will attempt it today. Genesis chapter 3. That's where we're going. Genesis chapter 3. King James Version, please. If you can flash it on the board, good. If not, we buy our Bibles. Genesis chapter 3. I would like reading from verse 3. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Jump with me to verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Lord God called unto you and said, Where are you? That's the question. Where are you? Don't answer me and say, I'm in TLC. Yes, you may be here, but you're not here. The question God was asking was not looking for his geographical location at that time. No. We're dealing with omniscient God, omnipresent God, omnipotent God. He knew everything about where he was. So he wasn't looking for his location, his physical location. No, he, was, he knew everything about that garden. There's nothing hidden before him. So he wasn't looking at where he was. No, no, no. He wanted something beyond his geographical location. And that's the same question he's asking you today. Where are you? Can you help me this morning? Look at somebody eyeball to eyeball and ask the person, where are you? Can you look at yourself as you check yourself in the mirror this morning? Can you picture yourself and ask yourself, where am I? When Adam was asked this question, verse 9, where we're reading, he didn't pretend as if he didn't know what God was looking for. He knew. He said, God, you know, it's good to, when you're writing essay or big questions, it's either you confuse your lecturer or you convince him. <laughs> if you can't do any of them, you fail. Either you confuse him or you convince him. But Adam could not do any of that. He didn't attempt it. He said, I am naked. That's not the answer to the question. Where are you? I am naked. What concerns you being naked with the question? He knew he has veered off. He knew he has done what he's not supposed to do. And no person told him to run. And he ran. Sin can cause you to have trauma. This is a God who has placed him in a place of more than enough. Not like our days. We struggle and struggle and struggle. We pay this and pay this. No time to rest. Stress here and there. He was living stress-free. Everything he needed was there. Everything he wanted in life was there. 
as a matter of fact, he was put there after God had blessed the whole place, beautified the whole place, and God said, go there and tend, not go there and toil. There's a difference between toiling and tending. Amen. So he was there. And when it happened, Bishop would say, when Joel go matures, things changed. Situation changed. He lost out. He moved out of the location. And he moved out of the spiritual position. That is what happens when we veer off. You lose your location, you lose your spiritual stand. At times, you may lose just the spiritual stand. And people will see the physical stand and still think you are there, you are gone. You may be in church. The word of God may be going ahead. Spirit of God is walking, moving around. But you are somewhere in the supermarket. Physically, you are here in the church. You are somewhere there planning one party or the other. While you are still there inside the church. The computer working. The phone working. And I can, you are still here. There's this story of a young lady, young girl. They were in the train together with the parents. Every time she's standing up and the father say, Tessia, sit down. Tessia will sit down. The next second, she stands up. Tessia, sit down. And she sat down. Say, Daddy, I'm sitting down. But I'm standing up. Some of us are like that in the presence of God. We are here physically speaking. We are sitting. But spiritually, we are off. We appear in church as believers. Outside the church, I don't know what we are. Adam was there in the garden. When God was to ask the question, he disappeared by himself. He moved out of where God has kept him. I want to ask you this question this morning. Are you where God wanted you to be? Are you in the spiritual location God wants you to be? Is that where you are today? He moved out. And moving out also spells moving out of the presence of God. He lost fellowship with God. He preferred to be obedient to the wife at that time. And when you are off, emotions will crash. Your emotions will also suffer. This was the same man when in Genesis chapter 2, when the creation took place and God created them, he turned around and said, this is the bone of my bones. This is the flesh with all joy and alacrity. He was boasting about Eve. That was the same man when it happened, he turned around to, Eve, uh, to God and said, God, it is this same woman. This woman you gave me. This woman, he's the one. she's the one that cost me. She's the one that made me. The... Sin can cause you to veer off into a lot of evil, a lot of sin. 
one sin, you'll be looking for another one to cover it. Have you wondered at times when you tell one lie and they catch you? And then you'll be looking at, ah, which, what do I say? You look for another thing to top on it. And they catch you on that one, look for another thing to, before you know it, you blame the rat and blame the cockroaches in what you did. Adam said, God, you know, I'm a faithful man. Is this woman you brought? But shifting the bulk does not solve the problem. It doesn't solve the problem. Own it up to him. Own it up to him. Adam was asked, Adam asked the same question and he looked around and said, God, I heard your voice. Not that he didn't hear. But I was naked and I hid myself. Adam wasn't a dullard. Praise the Lord. He was created in the image. He has sense more than Methuselah. He was wise. But he said he was hiding from God. You, Adam, hiding. Open your scriptures with me. <laughs> Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 139 verse 12. 139 verse 12. Psalm 139 verse 12. What do you think you can hide from God? <laughs> you want to jump? You want to hide? What exactly do you want to hide from him? Yet the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness, darkness, no light. Some of you here who are born with light, every time you don't know what darkness is. If you are born where there's no light, when they take when you see light, you you, you rejoice. <laughs> but even that darkness, the Bible says, before God is like night, light. He sees through it. The darkness and the light are both alike to God. So you can't hide from him. In Jeremiah 23, verse 24. God turned around and said, this God, you can't hide from me. I see everything you do. I know where you are. I can pick you. God is not like the security agents of America. No, they've been looking for you for years. Some people are looking for them for 10 Years are searching for them, looking for biometric, whatever, whatever. God doesn't need that. He knows where you are hiding. He will pick you from there. So you can't hide from him. So he said he was hiding. Why was he hiding? Why couldn't he stay? When you veer off, go back to him. Leaving the place of God where God wants you to be, opens you up to Satan and his attacks. It opens you up. And Satan now comes in with all barrier, all bags of sin, bringing condemnation, bringing fear. Adam was afraid. Bringing frustration along. Causing you to say, ah, I can't make it again. 
let me stay where I am. I can't continue. I've fallen, I've fallen. It is the same devil. Satan, the devil. He has not changed. And he will not change. So don't pray for Satan to change. Because he will not change. It is you that will stand against him. It is you that will frustrate his efforts. Adam saw he could not help the situation. Already lost the situation. Lost out. Lost focus. Lost fellowship with God. Moved out of God's plan for his life. This was a man that had all at his fingertips. Now hiding. Now hiding. First Samuel chapter 2. Say, ah, but I didn't do it this way. I didn't do it like them. I didn't do you don't need to do it like them. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 3. Living the place God has kept for you can cause you to go into trouble. The Bible says, by actions. Talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. Yes. Go ahead. By him, actions are weighed. Your actions are weighed. By him. So, the things you put up, God sees. He knows. The things you have in your heart, he knows. The things you are considering, he's aware of them. So you can't hide anything from him. When you sin against him, don't hide it. Don't keep mute. Go back to him. Ask for forgiveness. If you did not allow God to continue to settle there, Satan steps in. Nature, they say, abhors vacuum. And if nature abhors vacuum, if God is not there, Satan will be there. If God is not there, then it's so evident that Satan is there. And remember, brethren, I've always told you, there's no good unbeliever. If Jesus is not in your life, you are only good for hellfire. No condemnation. That's the word. If Jesus is not there, you are not there. You are not there. That's what the scripture says. But there's opportunity this morning to come in, to look at what God has for you. When you have failed him, own up. Turn back to him. Don't waste time like Adam did. Oh, is this? Oh, is that? And Lord, they say, tell you there's no excuse. <laughs> when you know what you're supposed to do and you didn't do it. God, he understands, but he understands that you failed. He understands that you did not acknowledge what he did for you. He understands that you decided to obey the devil and not him. He understands. Oh, God understands. 
what do you want him to understand? He understood everything that you did, that is evil that you did. But how do you go ahead? How do you mend the ways? God turned around and saw that Adam was helpless and hopeless. He could not help himself. He had sinned. And he didn't know what to do again. Then God began the plan of salvation. Immediately. God started the plan of redemption immediately. That same plan is for you today. To redeem you back to the original plan of God for your life. He set out plans to bring him back again. To where he wants him to be. To be in fellowship with him. To be in tandem with him. To be in love with him. God is so good. Can you tell somebody God is so good? After stabbing him at the back, he still loves you. And he still wants you to come back to come closer. He still wants to make peace with you. John chapter 1 verse 12. John chapter 1 verse 12. He has that plan for you. To make peace with you. In the beginning was the world. The world was with God and the world was in that beginning, God decided to make peace with you. But as many as received him to them, gave him power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe in his name. He gave power to become. So if that power to become is not there, you are not there. You've got to believe. You've got to make way to get to it. Why should that happen? Why should you make way? Because when Adam committed what he committed, and God asked him, where are you? He said, I am naked and I'm running away from you. And God stepped in and then God made a plan. Before then, Satan has told them, you will not really die. But brethren, you will die. If you sin against God. Sin brings death. That's what the scripture says. Turn your Bible sweep into Romans chapter 3 verse 23. Romans 3 23. Sin brings death. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 23. All, all, including you, including myself, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If all of us have sinned, you will say, what is that then? Romans chapter 6 verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. That means if you sin, there's death. Romans 6 23. Fast please, because some people don't have Bibles and they're looking at the board. And if the board didn't come up on time, they'll be gazing on empty board. 6.23 
if the Bible you are holding is your own Bible, or you borrowed it, mark it and tell the person you are told in the church to mark it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the word they are birth, is the word of contraindication. Final, the wages of sin is death. But there's a plan. God has a joker. He has a redemptive plan in place. Yes, death is there for sinning. But there's a solution. In Acts chapter 4 verse 12, he said, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There's a way out of that death. There's a way out of that calamity. There's a way out of that problem you've allowed sin to put you into. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the solution. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 8, he said, if we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. You are not deceiving any other person. You are deceiving yourself. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. He said, you deceive yourself. You are a full-blown deceiver of yourself. If you say, oh, every other person is doing it. Uh, I'm not the only one. This is America. You are deceiving. You're a big deceiver of yourself. America is not heaven. Many things happening in America are for hellfire, for information. <laughs> Am I living in America? Yes. Do I pray for America? Yes. But the Bible has to be followed. America is not only for Christians. They are atheists. They are satanists. Taking upper hand in America in diverse ways. So when you say, ah, I'm not blaming, I'm not casting anything, I'm, I'm telling you what the Bible says. In Genesis chapter 34, the Bible talked about Dinah. That's the daughter of Jacob. The only daughter, the only daughter of Jacob. They were in the land. Where God has blessed them, prospered them. But one day she said, I will go out and see the other ladies in the town. I will go out and see America. And she went out. She veered out. She left where God has kept her. She left the fold of God's people. And she went out and saw Pepe. When she came back, many heads were off, were rolled. Many people, the whole nation was eliminated because of Diana's misbehavior. Trying to see, trying to join, trying to be like others. Don't be like Americans. Be like Guardians. Be a Christian. God did not create you. God did not redeem you to be an American. No. To behave in the way they're behaving. God has redeemed you to behave like his son. Focus on his son. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. He said, 
look up to Jesus. Focus on him. The author and the finisher of not on America. Not, oh, this is how they are doing it. Oh, this is America. You don't do this. This is how you do it. You follow it, you go to hell. If it does not conform to what God is saying, don't follow it. If what they are doing or what they are saying does not conform or contradicts the word of God, don't go for it. Don't follow it. Because when you follow it, you miss out. Diana missed out. Trouble came. Adam missed out. Trouble came. If you miss out, trouble will come. He said the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When man sinned, God made provision. But brethren, you can't be saved coming to church. Did you hear me very well? You can't be saved being the son or the daughter of the Pope. You can't be saved building the biggest cathedral in the world. You cannot be saved Attending the church 24 hours a day. That cannot bring salvation. You cannot be saved if you do everything you want to do without Jesus. For you to attain to that salvation God has for you, you have to activate it. It has been there. But it needs activation. Just like when you, you go to your bank and they give you a card. The money is there. But you, don't, you have ordinary card, ordinary paper. You don't have money when you have the card that is not activated. You need to activate the salvation before it works for you. Amen. And the code is simple. You need to get it activated before it works for you. If you have not activated it, it will not work. You can come to church 24 hours in half a day. It does not work. You only receive blessing and go out, the devil takes you back. You can do good though, it's good to do good. But that does not bring salvation. Cornelius was a good man. He was doing good. And God said, ah, this man is so good. But he will not be saved until he activated the salvation. I know some of you are waiting for the code. I'll give you the code this morning. Without the code, you are going nowhere. God loves you. But if you did not activate that love, your life, you will die a sinner. In John chapter 3, verse 18. It's John 3, 18. Can we read it, please? John 3, 18. I think one day we will do Bible search here. And then you see the fastest. <laughs> to open the Bible with Abraham Lamadin will be the fastest or not. John 3, 15. You see, 3, 18. You see, he that believeth on him is not condemned. 
But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why was he condemned? Is it because he didn't have money? Is it because he didn't come to church? Or is it because he didn't follow others to do what they're doing? No, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. He has not believed that brings the condemnation and it's already there. But salvation is the other way. If you believe, you'll be saved. You activate it. And that is Jesus. You confess to him. Just as you've seen that you have veered off, you say, Jesus, I've seen in this area. I've veered off. Forgive me. You didn't sin against me, so I don't care about your sin. But he cares. It is him you have sinned against. So talk to him. You confess it to him, and you ask him to forgive you. But if you just do it religiously, you will end up not activating. You know, there are times they give you code, you want to activate, and you put in the word, the word you, made a mis- you make a mistake, and you put in something else. It will not work. Or you put the wrong pin. It will not work. The pin is J-E-S-U-S. Put it in. Slot it in. He gave his son for you. Where are you in his plan? Where are you today? Have you veered off in any area of your life? Not where God wants you to be. Can we bow our heads and pray? Where are you? Can you ask yourself that question this morning? Allow that question to ruminate, to go around your life. Where are you? Where are you? Have you allowed the things around you, the pressure around you, to push you out? of the will of God this is an ample opportunity for you to come back activating the salvation God has for you can you ask him to forgive you this morning where are you possibly you're here you've been coming to church you've been going to places you've been worshiping you've been building churches but you've never taken that decision 